Welcome to OA Now here. I'm Sammy Terramina, blogger of the um, Dragons Insider, one of the hosts of it, blogger of Inside the OAA, one of the hosts of Between Terminas and Oriented Television. Like, welcome our friends watching on the local voice on SoundCloud and also those on YouTube. Got a big, and also those hearing us on Oriented Television. Got a good show to talk to you about this week. Um, we're going to be looking at um, the recap of the state tournament um, run, um, the state finals. Um, what are the questions for the OA teams for next year? And, of course, the um, girls' basketball run with Southfield A&T making their run this upcoming week. So, got a lot to talk about this week here. Um, so, um, sit back and um, hear my thoughts heading into um, this following week. Um, let's look at the first matchup. Of course, it's me this week filling in solo. Um, I mean, like, so we'll see what happens. Um, Let's go over our main story here. Um, let's look at the um, couple things around the OA this past week around the league, around the state of Michigan, actually. Um, they had the state championships this whole week. Um, four state champions crowned. Um, I think it's really interesting to see what happens, um, especially next year when you look at the OA teams. Um, but a lot of controversy, especially in one match. It was in Division Three. Um that we got to talk about. It was the match between um, Plamo Westphalia and Iron Mountain. And that matchup really had a lot of controversy filled with it. Um, of course, Iron Mountain um, was up by one late in the game. Um, they were about to win AM State title. I know it'll be the first time in a long time in the Upper Peninsula. Um, but, but what happened was, it was, I looked at the, they call, referees called AM travel against um, Iron Mountain, um, which when you look at the replays, it was clearly not a travel. And then, of course, um, and then the final play there, um, Iron Mountain's head coach wanted to go for a um, foul, you know what I mean? And they were under the limit with fouls, and um, the officials thought it was intentional. They called an intentional foul, so they gave Plymouth Westphalia two shots and the ball and that just was and that was basically your game that was game over right there um and i think that was just a horrible call just a horrendous sequence you gotta feel bad for the kids at iron mountain i mean they put in a lot of work they put in a ton of work and to see this happen was just absolutely just stunning. Stunning, stunning, stunning. And, you know, and when I look at, you got to question officials now a little bit here, and I know a lot of people, a lot of columnists wrote, especially on the, um, and, I, I, and looking at the tweets, you know, Scott Bernstein was not happy about it. Neither was, um, neither was um, the Detroit Free Press sports writer, former sp sports writer Nick McCabe um and you got to look at of course you know how you got to look at officiating you know you got to look at and it's clearly look at it when you look at of course the um and these and Nick McCabe of course has mentioned wrote a really nice article about you know bad calls in the state and how it can be avoided um and the two calls really decided that Division Three state championship game. Um, it really decided 
that game, and um, they were really good games. But that's those two calls. Can they be corrected? Absolutely, they can be corrected. Um, I think when you look at the word replay, um, I think replay makes a lot of sense. Now, is it time-consuming? Absolutely, it is. Um, but I'm going to describe, as I mentioned earlier, I described this. Um, I cannot believe that the officiating was very questionable in that game. I mean, he had a lot of great moments in that game. Um, you look at, of course, um, you had a lot of great moments, especially in all four of those games, um, where you had, um, of course, um, in the Division One state final. Um, of course, um, Ypsilanti Lincoln needed a um, buzzer-beating shot to knock off um, Detroit University's Detroit Jesuit. Um, of course, you had River Rouge taking on um, Hudsonville Uni Christian. And um, I got to figure the other one out, but um, but that was oh, Southfield Christian's um blowout in the state championship game that was very important as well. So to me, the Iron Mountain game against Plainville Westphalia is going to be the one that a lot of people are going to be talking about. And I think you know when you look at officials, I said this a couple weeks ago, officials are human. But when you look at, of course, in a really tight game, really close game, um, basically those two calls decided those games. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's really nothing you can do about it. Um, but I think is there are some things that can be corrected, absolutely. Um, but I ask myself this question. Why foul? Why would you foul in this point? You have you I mean like if you could you just you could play straight up defense. You play straight up defense in that game, you win the game. No questions. I mean, anything can happen. It's March Madness. It's the beauty of March Madness. Um you know, when you look at the brackets and all that, usually the state usually decides the bracket. They do districts, regionals, quarterfinals, state fi semifinal, finals. But Iron Mountain got a really bad draw. They got a really bad, unfortunate circumstance, what happened to them. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for the kids, the community, their coach. I mean, they basically had a game stolen from them. They had a state title stolen from them. And they can never have it back. They can never have those seconds back. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, I feel really bad for them. But, you know, life goes on. You know, life does go on. Um, now, do I think Iron Mountain can come back from this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... We know Iron Mountain. Um, we know it's the famous school for Tom Izzo and Steve Mariucci. Both went there. Um, and um, I know Tom Izzo wanted to pick up the tab, but under NCAA rules, could not do it. So he had Steve Mariucci do it. And Steve Mariucci gladly did it. So that's my thoughts on 
the situation, how that unfolded in Division Three tournament. Um, let's go to let's go to um, Division One, the Division One final, because I thought it was a really good game between um, UD Jesuit and Ipswich Lincoln. Of course, a lot of attention followed around um, Warren Lincoln's freshman star Amani Bates. Um, Bates played played okay. Played um, he had a thirty-one point game in the um, semifinal. Um, which, um, which, um, looked, um, really, really good. Um, of course, Bates is getting a lot of division one looks, a lot of interest surrounding him. Um, I think when you look at Bates's talent, you know, you can't question his talent. He's got talent. I mean, but Warren, but Islay Lincoln's won two games in the buzz off the buzzer. You know, the game against um, Novi Detroit Catholic Central was a prime perfect example of that. Um, and then, of course, the game where um, where it was like a um, long rebound, which led to, a, led to a shot, and that was a big win for um, Lincoln. That was a big win for them. <laughs> but for UD Jesuit, who came in ranked number one in the state, you know, people are going to say, well, I, I don't feel bad for the Pat Donnelly's team. I mean, they get a lot of kids that go in there. Um, of course, their school that recruits, and um, you know, and basically, um, basically, um, Lincoln's going to be a team of destiny for three years. Now, do I think it playing Lincoln's a team of destiny for three years? Absolutely not. And the reason why I say this is pretty simple. When you look at next year's team for Lincoln, yeah, they're going to have Bates back, but still, they got some questions. They've got a ton of questions where they've got to address some things. Um, now, I didn't like what Bates said, that he was going to stay in state and not go to a prep school. You know, whereas you look at all some of these players in the state of Michigan that went there. But, but a lot, but, there's a reason why Bates, the ranked number one ranked player in the freshman class of 2022. There's a reason why. And it wouldn't surprise me if more college scholarship offers come. He's already got a state title in his freshman year. And that says a lot. That really does say a lot. Um, When I look at the OAA teams that are really close to a state title, you got to look at Clarkston. Um, the reason why I think the Wolves are pretty close to a state title there is because Clarkston has a lot of um a lot of talent coming back. Um, when you look at they got two freshman stars that could be really good in Fletcher Lawyer and um, Keegan Wasilik. Um they had both had um they both had really good years this year. Um then he had the big and Matt Nicholson who could do some damage next year. Um and then you have um and then, of course, you have two guys that I'm really, really high on next year for Clarkston. Um, when you look at the first one, I'm going to look at is Blake Cozen. Um, Cozen, of course, is the um, Cozen's a really he can play anywhere you need him to. Um, I think he, I think that Cozen is a guy worth watching heading into next year. I think he can be a really, really dynamic player. Um, the other one I'm looking at 
um, is a guy by the name of Luke Scheller. Um, Luke Scheller could be a really good player. I've seen him play. Um, he has a really good shot. Um, he's big, lengthy, um, can can score in so many different ways. I really like how um, Scherler can play that style of game. Um, but as mentioned, you know, for Coach Keegan was for Coach Tim Wasilik, I think it's going to be. I think right now his team is probably the closest team in the OA to a state title. And yeah, now people say, well, yeah, Clarkson's won two, one back-to-back state titles, but Clarkson had an experienced team. This Clarkson team was very, very young. It started off 0-2 and then went won 17 straight games, including a red title, but then was upset by Adams in the, in the um, pre-district. So that's my thoughts when you look at, now people are going to say, well, if Clarkson's close to a state title, who else? Could Ferndale? Yeah, I think Ferndale is as well. I think Ferndale is also another team that's close to a state title. But they just had one bad third quarter against Harperwood Chandler Park Academy where they could have won that game. They could have won that game. And they're in, and they're in Division Two, which I think is going to be wide open next year. You know, when you look at that division. I think Juan Rickman's done a really nice job with that team. Now, yeah, they played. They, the blue this year was much tougher than people thought. Um, but Ferndale, this is a team, they're going to get their transfers into the program because they had four transfers sit out this year. A couple of them have D1 offers when you look at them. And I think when you look at Ferndale now, I think the Eagles are going to be very dangerous next year. Now, we don't know what division they're going to be. But whoever has to deal with Ferndale, it's going to be a challenge for them. Because when you look at Ferndale, this is a team that could do some damage next season. They could do some damage with the transfers they have coming from Detroit East English Village Prep. I mean, they ha- and, they, and they set out a whole season. That says a lot. Now, others in other aspects of things here, um, who else was pretty close to a state title, in my opinion? Um, you got to really look at other. There's, there's a couple others. I don't know if they're state title worthy right now, but, but besides Clarkston and Ferndale, I don't know if there's anybody else right now in the OA that is pretty close to a state title or a state title caliber team than those two teams. And with Clarkston, we don't know where they're where they're at right now. But Ferndale, we know where the direction where they're going. People are gonna say, well, Ferndale well, Clarkston's gonna be this juggernaut force. Yeah, they're gonna be that juggernaut force next year. But the question is and the question is, and I think it comes down to it, was Clarkson's lack of postseason experience. And that's very rare. Because in the back-to-back state title runs Clarkson had, Clarkson only played like six six guys. They played six guys. They played a, a lot of players that had a ton of heavy minutes. So that's going to be the challenge next year for Coach Tim Wasilik, is you need to have a long playoff run 
if he can get that long playoff run, everything else will take care of itself out. Now, I'm curious to see where the MHA is going to put Clarkson in June. Could they move Clarkson more north, back northwest? If they move him northwest, they're going to be dealing with Flint, Cumberland, Ainsworth, Grand Blank. Um, those are going to be two tough teams for them. Um, or do they keep him in a district with Oxford, Clarkston, Lake Orion? You know, with Oxford, Adams, Lake Orion. I mean, that's another question. I mean, Clarkston is in a really, really interesting spot geographically. You know, one of those middle between the northwest, middle to northwest part of the county. Um, you could send Clarkston to I-75. You can send them there. Or you can send Clarkston east. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what the MHA does with Clarkston next year in the boys' side of things. Um, and then with Ferndale, same thing. Division, they're gonna, they're in Division 2. Um, if they were in Division 1, it'd be really, really difficult for them. But if they were, but they're in Division 2, which is really, really beneficial for them. Um, not necessarily the strongest of districts, um, beside Warren Lincoln. But, as mentioned, for, I thought Ferndale had a great chance to win that regional. Unfortunately, the third quarter of that game against Harper Wood Chandler Park Academy, just, it just didn't fold out well. It just really didn't fold out for them. And that's what happened here. That's what happened here. Well, when you look at, of course, with boys basketball over, um, you got to look at next year. You got to look at, and I talked about this with Ian last week, about where I believe the MHA, the OA is going to be going. Um, I think when you look at the OA next year, when you look at Harrison closing and Hazel Park departing, um, going to the MAC next year, um, I can see a 7-7-7 format. Um, I do see that type of format. I think it makes the best case scenario, best sense. Um, but who do I think definitely would fit the roles here? It would be very interesting. Because when I look at the blue next year, you know, Oxford's going to be going up likely. Ferndale, I would expect they'd be up. But Pontiac's a really interesting one. Because Pontiac, they lose a lot of talent from that team that had a special 18-2 and two season. They lose a ton of talent. And I think for them, maybe staying in the blue is going to really help them out. Now, when I look at, Fern, when I look at of course, a team like Oxford, they're going to be going up to the white, but they have the Townsends coming back next year. They have the Townsends back. And that's going to be a team to keep an eye on. Ferndale, you know, you know Ferndale is going to want to move up to the white. You, you know they're going to want to move up. Do I think? I think they're going to be, I think they'll be up in the white for sure. Um, and of course in the red, you got Adams likely going up there. Um, the teams going down from the red to the white could be interesting. Cause I think Troy will go down. Um, I think Troy will go down. Um, and then of course I see, um, and then I see Rochester, Troy, Athens, likely both going down to the blue next year. Um, Avondale's a wild card in all this. Um, so they could be another one that moves down maybe. Um, so that would be really, really interesting if those three teams were to move down. 
<laughs> the red, I really don't see a lot changing. I mean, I'm seeing, when I look at it here, I'm seeing possibly Clarkston, Lake Orion, North Farmington, um, West Bloomfield, Bloomfield Hills, um, and Adams. You know, those are, and Oak Park. Those are the three, those are the seven teams I'm seeing next year in the red division. That'd be a really good division. I think it'd be a really competitive division there if it was those seven teams. The white, you know, I'm seeing, I'm, I mean, the white, I'm seeing Farmington, Ferndale, Oxford, um, Southfield, Stony Creek, um, maybe Avondale, not sure yet, but, um, but other than that, I think that would be a really good division as well. I mean, competitive, balance. Oh, and also Groves. That's another one. You know, I think that's going to be very competitive there if those seven were to be in a division. Um, and then the um, blue division, you got um, blue division, you got Rochester, Troy, Athens, um, Berkeley, Seahome, um, Royal Oak. Um, I mean, like, that, as mentioned, that's going to be another, be another good division. Because I think Berkeley is going to be the scariest team next year to watch in that division. If that was the divisions. Because I think next year Berkeley is going to be a very good basketball team. I really do. Um, and I, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, I know Troy Athens has a lot of experience coming back. Rochester's got some experience coming back. Um, even though they do lose... Um, Key players like Ryan Noble, Ryan Noble, Ryan Noble, Corey Gulich, and um, and um, Drake Reed. That's going to be big losses there. But I think at the end of the day here, you're looking at what's best for your team. And I think at the end of the day here, um, I I'm looking at it a seven 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 for next season. I'm looking at it for if if I'm in the OA. I'm looking at that. I think it makes a lot of sense. A seven-seven-seven makes a lot of sense. Not only awesome the boys, but awesome the girls as well. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> All right, now let's go from the um, boys. Let's go to the girls. Um, this is a really interesting one here. Um, of course, we still have one OA team left. Um, that's Southfield A and T. Talk about them in a minute. But let's recap what happened. Um, in the regionals before we talk about the state quarterfinal preview. Um, with West Bloomfield um, winning their district, I think it was a huge accomplishment for them. Um, the Lakers winning that was a great, great, great accomplishment. But they got, but as mentioned, it was going to be a really tough regional for them. Going to the, um, going to Lakeland against three, against one KLA team and two Lakes Valley teams. Um, and when you look at the teams there, Heartland's very good. You look at, of course, um, then you have Wall Lake, Western Waterford, Kettering on the other side. Um, it, I didn't think West Bloomfield really stood much of a chance. They didn't even score a point in the second quarter. I mean, it was bad against Heartland. Heartland's a pretty good team, especially when you look at the fact that you got they had to deal with Whitney Solomon, who's a really good player. Um, surprised she's not getting a lot of D one looks right now, um, especially with her size. I mean, she's about six four. 
I mean, I know she's been injury prone all year, but she's playing at a high level right now for them. Um, and it was going to be a tough assignment for West Bluefield anyway, considering that this was a team that loved to run the running gun. Um, which is going to um, which is basically fast break a lot, and Heartland just shut West Bloomfield down. They they got West Bloomfield to go out of sync, which was just shocking, just shocking, to say the least. There, it was shocking, and it was a surprise when I looked at that score and I'm saying to myself, "This is not the West Bloomfield I'm used to seeing." You know, the West Bloomfield that I'm used to seeing loves to go up and down the court um, and basically get, they got weapons offensively. When you look at Logan Lewis, you look at a Jada Grady, a Mile Bobo. I mean, I was surprised how Heartland just dominated them. It wasn't even close. It really wasn't even close in that game. Really wasn't. But West Bloomfield, they got a lot of, they got a ton of upside. Now, yes, they do lose Jada Grady. But when you have players like Maya Bobo coming back, Logan Lewis, um, you have Ike Elamola Chambers. I mean, that's a great nucleus coming back. And your JV team was not bad. So that's a great nucleus if you're Burt Mosley. Looking at that team, the work concept, Really fits this program well. Um, but they've got a long way to go to see where they're at. they got a long way to go. But West Bloomfield for sure next season. Expect them to be up in the red. Um, and I expect them to be up in the red next year. Because it, because um, they're going to be a really good basketball team. They're going to be really, really good. Um, let's go to the... Um, other team right now, that's Southfield A&T. Um, they won a really tough regional, knocking off Warren Cousineau with their, and their star player, Kate MacArthur. Kind of a really interesting uh, picture afterwards. Um, kind of MacArthur had some tension a little bit, it looked like, in the picture, what I saw. Um, it, was, it was a blowout, you know, that Southfield did to Warren Cousineau. And then they played Gross Point North. Um, Gross Point North knocked off Birmingham Marion. Um, it kind of was an upset, but it really wasn't because I knew that Birmingham Marion would have a really tough time with Julie Ariant, who is, is going to be a Michigan State recruit. Um, Ariant had a big game in that one against Birmingham Marion. I think she went off for 31. I'm not sure. Not too entirely sure. What happened there? But I know she went off for 31. Um, and then when they met in the regional final, Southfield Arts and Tech just dominated. They dominated Growth Point North. Um, basically, the difference was Southfield Arts and Tech's balance. And it showed. I mean, Ariat got, got her points, but nobody else stepped up. They basically shut down area and um and that was your ball game. That was your ball game. And Safi Arts and Tech wing another regional title on their home floor. That's the definition of it. 
Now, when you look at Southfield, A&T, this is a basketball team that plays, I would compare this team to the 2004-2005 Detroit Pistons. Their starters play a ton of extended minutes. When you look at Southfield A&T starters, you have Soto Barnes, um, you have Keanu Wallace playing the guard, Soto Barnes likely a guard slash wing, Cheyenne McEvans guard slash wing, Alexis Johnson par forward, and um, and Jasmine Worthy at the five. They play a ton of extended minutes, and that could work in two ways. The first one is you can get all the all that. You can get a lot of scoring, a lot of production from five different areas. But here's where the danger comes if you're Michelle Marshall and her team. Your depth is going to be severely tested. And to me, it looks like their depth has not been tested as much as people think. Now, yeah, people are going to say, well, Southeast played a really tough schedule. Yeah, they have. They played the likes of Saginaw Heritage. They have played the likes of Point Carmen Ainsworth. They have played Ypsilanti and Arbor Prep. They played a lot of good Chicago teams. I mean, that's just their non-conference. That's not even counting their league schedule. But when you look at Southfield, your bench is going to be the key here. And I don't think Michelle Marshall's done a really good job with that bench. Because there's going to be times where let's say Alexis Johnson or Cheyenne McEvans get in the, or Soto Barnes gets into foul trouble. And it's going to be, it's really difficult if you don't have a bench. Southfield A&T, they have a great starting five, but they don't have a bench. That's the thing that concerns me with this team going forward, especially hanging into a quarterfinal matchup with Lakeview, where you're going to have to deal with a six foot six junior in Jocelyn Benson. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> and if you don't have, and I know Southfield A&T, they got Jasmine Worthy, but if you don't have anybody else who can go in there in that bench, you know, to basically try to wear it down, if they don't have that, it could be a long night for Southfield A&T at West Bloomfield. It could be a long night. Now, do I, I think Southfield's much better than Lakeview. I mean, Lakeview played Stony Creek early in the season. Um, Lakeview lost to Stony Creek. But Lakeview, um, but Lakeview, um, <coughs> but Lake, but Stony Creek lost to Southfield A&T. So, to me, that says a lot. You know, that tells me, but let's not forget. Lakeview won their first regional in a while. They knocked off a very good Port Huron Northern team. Port Huron Northern, of course, won the always tough Macomb, Dakota district. Really tough there. But they knocked off some good teams to get there. So Southfield's going to have their hands full with Lakeview. They're going to have their hand. They're going to have their hands full. <laughs> I mean, Lakeview's got a. They're not bad. They're, they are not bad. But what I want to see with Southfield A&T is more of that bench. 
because you're going to need that bench, especially if you want to go in the later rounds. Because that has been the biggest concern I have with this team is that bench. And I know the good folks down there at Southfield. I know the great folks down there. But the bench really concerns me. Because, as mentioned, you got a great starting five. A great starting five. But when they get into foul trouble and have some difficulties, you're going to have to trust them. You're going to have to trust your bench. And by the looks of it, this is like the 2004-2005 Detroit Pistons game seven versus Miami Heat. Remember, the Pistons only went six guys that game. They went six guys in that game. I'm not sure how many Southfield Arts and Tech goes, but there's going to be times where if any of those girls gets into foul trouble, especially Alexis Johnson, because if she gets into foul trouble, Southfield's got big problems. That's not a question. I mean, or if Cheyenne McEvans and, and Alexis Johnson both get into foul trouble, they've got big problems there. Or if Jasmine Worthy gets in foul trouble, especially against Lakeview, that's problems right there. So, Southfield, I think, has got to be very, very careful in this one. Now, if Southfield were to advance past Lakeview, which I think they will get by Lakeview, um, then they would have to go to Calvin College um, at the Van Nuen Arena, I believe it's the name of that place. Um, they'll either take on DeWitt or Muskegon. Both teams are very good teams. That's not even a question. That's going to be a really, really tough challenge for both teams. Um, for Southfield especially. Because Muskegon's got some depth. They got some depth. DeWitt, we know about them. Um, especially in the state football playoffs. DeWitt, of course, went and basically um, tore Farmington to shreds in the playoffs. Um, but DeWitt's got a really good team. There's a reason why they're one of the top teams in the Capital Area Conference. There is a reason why they're one of those top teams. And I think when you look at those teams, um, Southfield's going to be, Southfield could get challenged in that matchup. They could get challenged. And especially when you don't have, and especially when you're looking at that bench, that's a big concern for me in that matchup. Because if it turns down to a game of depth, I've got to give an edge to either Muskegon or DeWitt. Because Southfield plays those five starters extended amount of minutes. That's difficult. I don't, I don't care who you are. That's difficult when you play mainly almost all 32 minutes. That's difficult. And I think that's gonna be that's gonna be Michelle Marshall's challenge. Is where am I going to find where am I going to get that production off the bench? Because if you get the because if you can't get production off your bench, especially in the state tournament, you got problems. You need production, you need scoring production from your bench. And that's what I'm saying about Southfield. You got the talent, you got players that can score. I'm not criticizing Willis, McEvans, Johnson, Barnes, or Worthy. Because all of them can score. They do a lot of different intangibles. <laughs> and I know Michelle Marshall, coach there, has said that um, 
This could be this could rival her team back in 05 when she was at Lathrop. And I said to myself, how's your depth situation? How's the depth? You got five talented players, but then when I look at the stats, the stats tell me something different. When I look at the word minutes a game, there's not a lot. I mean, like besides the starting five, there's not a lot of minutes to be had. Now, yeah, they've been in a lot of blowout games. I get it, but but when you're in a very tough situation, you need to find players on your bench, you know what I mean, that can really help you out. I think there's a ton of talent over at Southfield's got that can help them. But the question is, you know, we got to know who they are. We got to know who they are. So that's my challenge to Southfield, especially in the state in the state semifinal when they get there, because I think they're going to knock Lakeview out. I really do. I'd be shocked if they lose that game. But the game against either Muskegon or DeWitt is the big concern for me, which will like me on a Friday. And if they win that game, then you're looking at possibly dealing with defending state champion Saginaw Heritage. Now. Saginaw Heritage and Southfield played each other early in the year. It was at its lane ever prep. Saginaw Heritage won that one 45-43. It was a really good game. <laughs> really good game. But I think Southfield's a much different team now. They are a much different team now than they were against Heritage the first time they played. Saginaw Heritage has some injuries lately. We know the injury to Mariah Joyner. We know about that injury. She played against Midland Dow. She played really well in that one. Took over the fourth quarter of that game. Now they get to play Heartland, who I think they're not, I don't think they're going to have an issue with. And they're either going to get Wayne Memorial or Temperance Bedford. I think it's going to likely be Wayne Memorial. They should blow Wayne Memorial out and get to the state final. I know Vonnie DeLong, what she likes to do with that team. I know Vonnie DeLong. Really good coach with a really good veteran team. I mean, you got they got two D1 recruits on that team. Of course, you have Mariah Joyner, and you have Shrine Strickland-Gills. I think Mariah Joyner is going to Michigan State, and Shrine Strickland-Gills is going to Central Michigan. Um, Southfield A&T has Alexis Johnson going to Marshall. Soto Barnes going to Toledo. Interesting matchup if those two were to play again. I think it would be a great matchup if those two teams play again. I think it could be. I think if those two teams were to play again, that is going to be must-see TV. And I know a lot of people are going to be watching the NCAA tournament this weekend. I know a lot of you are going to be watching. But if Southfield Arts and Tech played Saginaw Heritage in the state final, that would be must-see TV for me. And that would be a heck of a game. <laughs> that would be a heck of a game. But as mentioned, as I said, Southfield's bench has to show up in that game if they were to play. Because Southfield relies a lot on their starters, maybe a little too much. And that's a dangerous recipe. <laughs> really dangerous recipe. Um, When you look at it, when you look at, of course, in Saginaw Heritage, 
they have used their bench effectively as well because the injuries. They've had a ton of injuries as well, and they've used their bench more. I'm just really concerned about how Southfield is going to use their bench. Just really, really concerned. And when you look at, of course, Southfield's run in the state tournament thus far, they really haven't really been challenged. I mean, I thought Detroit Mumford would give them a challenge. Didn't happen. Detroit Renaissance didn't happen. Um, Warren Cousineau didn't happen. Growth Point North didn't happen. Could Lakeview? Lakeview's very young, but I think when you look at Lakeview, I just think that I know, and they got that big in Jocelyn Benson, but um, but I think the um differences in that game is I think Southfield's a little bit more balanced, um, with their starting five, and I think Southfield will move on convincingly. The game I'm mostly concerned about is that semifinal matchup with either Muskegon or DeWitt. Both got talented players. I mean, that's a big concern for me. And especially when you look at Southfield, um, the bench, as mentioned, very concerning. Very concerning. But if Southfield were to get past either Muskegon or DeWitt, then you're looking at Saginaw Heritage. People are going to say, well, why not Heartland? Why not Wayne Memorial? Saginaw Heritage is better than both those teams. That's not even a question. But Southfield Arts and Tech, I think, matches up much better against Saginaw Heritage than does Wayne Memorial, than does Lakeview, than does Muskegon, and does DeWitt. <laughs> Southfield A&T, there's a reason why they're number one in the state. There's a reason why. Now, people are going to say, well, well, they, they play in a weak league. No, they're not. The Red is a very good league, for goodness sakes. The OAA Red is one of the toughest leagues in the state of Michigan. You got teams like Clarkston, who's young, going to be much better next year. You have Bluefield Hills, always a threat there. You have Stony Creek, who's going to be a team that's going to have a really good guard coming back in Lily the Penny. He's going to be really good. You have, and then of course, you're going to have West Bloomfield likely coming up, who's going to be very talented. You have Royal Oak, who even though they lose a ton of talent, but they still have a great young nucleus back. I mean, the Red Division is one of the toughest leagues in the state of Michigan. It is not an easy league. And, and that's being experienced in the Red. The Red is a really... Really tough league. It really is. If you look at, if you compare it to the Ottawa Kent Conference, you look, you compare it to the um, to the um, Capital Area Conference, um, and you look at the KLA, you look at all the other leagues around the state of Michigan, including the MAC. I think when you look at the conference, the Red is as good as anybody. Now people are gonna say, well, the OA this year is pretty weak this year. You know. Can't I can't lie. I can't lie and say that. But but either way, the but Southfield right now is proven right now the league really strong. The league is a strong league. You just had a lot of young teams this year. Had a lot of young young teams this year. And when you look at the league next year, I think the league's gonna be better. 
I think the league next year is going to be better. When you look at emerging teams like Adams, who's going to be really good, um, you look at, you look at. I think that Clarkson's going to be going to be better. I think Lake Orion's going to be better. Oxford's going to be better. Troy's going to be better. I mean, and then you look at um, Berkeley. They're going to be a team worth watching next year. Um, and then of course you got to look at the rest of the red. You got to look at Bluebia Hills. North Farmington's going to be a team worth watching. And then of course. Can West Bloomfield make a run? I think West Bloomfield, if they can get a great, a great district like they did this year, if they can get a great regional, because their regional was absolutely brutal, if they can get a good regional, I think this is going to be a danger. This league as a whole next year could be really, really dangerous. And that's saying a lot. And that's saying a lot. Now, is any league perfect? No. But I think, you know, when you look at the league next year, I think the league as a whole is going to be really, really strong. Now, could it be state power title contenders? Maybe, maybe not. But you got this league. The league is going to be strong. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next year. Really will be. Really will be. But right now, when you look at Southfield, right now, it's right now clearly Southfield than everybody else. And that's not a lie when you look at Southfield's talent pool. But when you look at the run the Warriors have had thus far, you know, the bench is mentioned, and I mentioned this a ton of times on this show today. Big time concern. Big time concern. But the league has done really well against some quality leagues. I mean, look in the postseason, especially when you look at, of course, Adams' win against Romeo. That was huge. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens next year when you look at the OA, how they match up against the um, rest of the, the rest of the league. Um, and the non-league. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But when I look at the league next year for girls basketball, and I'll go more into depth next week about it. Um, I think when you look at next year, you got to put Southfield, West Bloomfield up there. You've got to put those two teams in the red next year as likely top contenders in the red. The white division could be a really, really nice mess. Because you got some balance there. You got a ton of balance there in that division. Now, we don't know how the league's going to look yet. Because we haven't had the, we haven't had the um, alignments yet. We haven't had those yet. And the blue could be really interesting as well. But we'll see. I know I've been getting, I know I've been getting, a, I know I've gotten criticized this year for, um, Question the competition in the Blue Division. You know, especially criticizing Berkeley. Especially when you look at the, the non-conference schedule. You know, I could say the same thing with Avondale. Criticizing their non-conference. Not as strong as you thought. But, and it's the same thing with Berkeley. But, either way, I think when you look at the, when you look at it, the league next year, if the OAs toughens up the non-conference schedule, 
and the teams have got to do it, not the um, not the league itself. The if they toughen up their non conference schedule, it's going to get them better for the postseason. <laughs> it's going to get them better. I mean, look at Southfield. Look what they've done. You know, look at what other teams around the area have done. You know, they have played. I mean, the Southfield's played a really tough non conference schedule. Um, but it all comes down to your personnel of your teams. It all does. But either way, either way, I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what where the league goes next year. And I'm being and that's being honest. That's being honest. When you look at of course the um when you look at of course the league this year as a whole, I mean I mean People are going to say the league was down this year. And a lot of pundits are going to say that. They're going to say that. Always a great league. really is. But, you know, there's going to be some questions next year. There will be some questions next year. A lot of storylines. Especially heading into next year. There's going to be a ton of storylines. And if they can, and if, um, and, you know, but I think clearly next year in the red, it's clearly either going to be Southfield, A&T, or West Bloomfield. That's what I'm clearly on right now. That's what I'm clearly on. The white's going to be very competitive. The blue could be really interesting as well. But as all depends, if they go, if the league goes to a 7-7-7, which I expect with 21 schools. Next year, you know, I expect them to go 21 schools. Um, now I'm not going to name specific teams, um, considering that um, the alignment hasn't been decided yet, but I've already named one for sure going up. That's West Bluefield. And West Bluefield's got a ton of talent coming back. I'm curious to see what team goes down from the red to the white. Um, I'm also curious to see. Who comes down from the white to the blue? And who goes up from the blue to the white? That's going to be curious. That's got me curious. And the same thing with boys basketball, too. Um, who's going to be coming up from the red? Coming up from the red. Who's going to be going down from the red to the white? And who's going to be going down from the white to the blue? And who's coming up from the blue to the white? A lot of questions. A lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, also going to be curious to see the um, head coaching searches, you know what I mean, heading into next year, because there's going to be a lot of different coaches. Um, I'm going to name a couple next week. Also, stay tuned to blog at sammysemicolon at termina.blogspot.com. We'll not only talk about the um, the um, coaching vacancies. Um, we know there's been one. Um, we're going to talk about that in depth next week. Um, where I think when Ian and me come back next week, um, but also we got a lot of sports still going in play, especially we're starting spring. Um, we're getting really close to the, um, beginning of spring sports. Um, curious to to see what, um, teams are going to do. Um, what my early intake on it, um, baseball could be really interesting. I still think, um. You know, when you look at baseball, it's kind of really hard to say right now. 
softball, you got to give an edge to Clarkston um, because of um, who they've got back. Could Clarkston make a run? Um, who could challenge him? Could it be Lake Orion? Could it be Oxford? Those are two worth mentioning there. Um, <clears throat> um, track and field be really interesting. You got Oak Park. Could Lake Orient's girls make a run? That's a question. <laughs> That's a big question there. Um, lacrosse, I think it'll be very interesting. Um, I'm curious to see how lacrosse is going to match up. Um, in a court, in both boys and girls lacrosse. Um, and then, of course, you have tennis as well. I mean, we'll see. Got a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on around the league. And I think when you look at when you look at it here, um, recapping the winter, of course, um, really not talking much about um, didn't really talk much about um, wrestling. But I thought Clarkson as a team had a nice year in wrestling. Um, you know, they were the furthest away team to get to the um, in the state um for team wrestling. A lot of great individual performances. Um. And then, of course, we had cheerleading. We had a state champion, as mentioned, um, Stony Creek, winning a, um, their second cheerleading state title. Adams took second. Um, tells me the state is the, the city of Rochester still runs the cheerleading supreme. Um, even though you still got rod teams like Rochester, Lake Orion, Troy, Athens, who are going to always be there. Um, <laughs> swimming, of course, we mentioned last week. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I know a lot of people are going to be watching the NCAA tournament this weekend. Um, of course, um, yours truly will be on um, a special podcast um, with um, called Views in the Sideline. I encourage everybody to watch. Um, you'll get my ideas who I think is going to happen in the NCAA tournament. Um Really want to know uh, my thoughts about both Michigan schools. I thought Michigan they got a really bad draw. Um, Michigan um, got a great draw. Um, they got a great draw. It wouldn't surprise me if both teams were in the Final Four. Really wouldn't. That's just my thoughts on um, both Michigan State and Michigan. Um, I think both teams can make long tournament runs. I'm a little concerned about Michigan's run with Texas Tech. Um, that Texas Tech matchup does. Give me concern for Michigan. And also playing Nevada as well could be a big problem too. Now, depending if those matchups happen. So, that was my NCAA, early, early NCAA tournament thoughts. Um, it could change. So, we'll see what happens there. Um, of course, stay tuned to blog at sammysemicolontermineatblogspot.com for the latest on the coaching churches. Of course, still for Football, we don't know what's going on over at Pontiac or Avondale as of yet, so we'll know in we'll know in hopefully a couple weeks where both coaching situations are at. Um, and of course the um, basketball situation as well when the jobs um start opening up. So we'll keep an eye on those situations as well here on OA now, as we always do. So we'll see what happens going forward um this whole week. Okay, now everybody, I'm going to sign off here um, for this whole week. Wish everybody the best of luck, especially Southfield A&T in the um, state tournament um, this week 
I mean, this week, hopefully they get to the state final. Um, hopefully they can win a state championship for the OAA. Of course, um, adding to the um long list of collections of OAA state champions this season. So wish the Warriors, wish Warrior Nation, wish Coach Michelle Marshall and her team the best of luck. Um, I wrote a nice column on them, South at A&T, um, on their championship column. Um what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are. Um, we'll see what happens with them going forward. Um, you can take a look at my blog at sammysemicolonterminatblogspot.com for the um, latest information surrounding the entire OAA. Okay, now we're going to sign off here. Um, take care, everybody. We will see you all next week, everybody. See you next week. Bye.